One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Are you PNLP? This is the Premier Non-League Podcast. Right, we're back for episode two of our summer specials. Gareth, um, an eventful interview, shall we say, with Mark White. Uh, he's, he's, he's put my editing skills to the test, I have to say, with that one. <laughs> Uh, let's just hope our guest tonight has got better Wi-Fi than, uh, than Mark has. So. Well, I mean, it links quite nicely with Mark, doesn't it? Because um, he's probably used to editing this guy quite a lot. And uh, I'm sure he keeps him busy on the cutting floor. But we're joined by Rich Fippen, who is actually the producer, creator of a bunch of amateurs. Rich, good evening. How are we doing? Oh, lovely to see you both. Yes, very well. Thank you. Yeah, it's so nice to hear the see the face behind the voice that we hear. So uh, mm. so nicely, yeah. uh, bunch of amateurs every week. So how's how's the summer been? Have you had a break? Have you been chilled or like what what's been going on? No, no break really. Um, we finished filming. Uh, what was that? Third week of May, um, and I was three or four games behind on the show, so I had to keep editing. It meant having a few Saturdays off, admittedly. Um, but kept producing the episodes and obviously the finale went out a week ago um, but I've now got to do we're putting everything else onto Patreon for the summer so I've got a load of standalone episodes and mini series to do over the next couple of months so I um, started working on them now I mean they're a little bit easier to edit than Dorking because we shoot so much at Dorking that um, when I'm doing childhood stuff um, which is you know where I started um, mm-hmm. they tend to be easier episodes to make but no in terms of time off almost none it just means a couple of Saturdays where I've had a bit of a relaxing afternoon but I'm still editing pretty much every day yeah so no rest for the wicked then as they say Mm, sadly no so your background with football let's just start right from the beginning so as 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 we've been saying off air and we hear occasionally with the non-league um former addicts we know you're a Charlton fan you grew up a Charlton fan um but what's your sort of background with non-league uh what 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 got you involved and you know what got you to sort of you must have had some sort of love for the game to end up doing such a fantastic series on it um well it I guess it goes back to when I first got a digital camera um, digital video camera back in, I want to say 2004. And I was supposed to be playing Sunday League um, with my mates. We put a new team together and I broke my foot and couldn't play. And because I just got this camera, I took it down and I walked down to the park to watch the boys play and I filmed some of it. And um, I worked at Sky at the time. They just gave me a laptop with editing software on it. So I learned to edit, making these little kind of end of match closes that Sky Sports would do. Um, and I did that for a while, um, every now and then, and we did an end of season compilation and I did that over a couple of years, messing around with it and started to shoot a documentary back then, but I was too kind of young and stupid to really figure out what a documentary would entail, what would make it interesting, how to tell a story. I didn't have any of those skills. I just had a camera and an idea. Um, and it kind of, the idea just kind of went away. Um, 
And after I left Sky, which was many years later, so that was about 2017, um, I had a camera and an idea again, but this was a much better camera. So I said to a mate of mine, are you still down Charlwood? Um, are you still doing stuff down there? And he said, no, but I know a guy, the guy that's running it, Barks, is uh, mad keen to do something. So if you want to go and meet him, I think he's going to say yes. And I met Barks and it was like, this guy needs to be on film. Like he's a really interesting manager. Um, so, um, you know, we hit it off straight away and he loved the idea of doing a documentary around his team. And But up to that point, I hadn't really spent any time around non-league, not, not seriously. I'd been to a few local games and stuff over the years, but nothing, um, I, wasn't, I didn't have any real interest in it or any real knowledge about any of it. Um, and it was a journey of discovery, really. Right. I mean, I was filming with Barks for a few months before we even started doing anything. Yeah. Um, and I was really learning how the how the matches worked, who did what, and exactly how lo-fi a lot of it was. So are you one of the guys at Sky Sports used to those really emotionally sort of charged end of sort of Super Sunday packages? Is that what it was, that sort of? I, I well, back, Originally, I used to choose the music for them. So okay. I worked with the producers to, to choose the tracks. But yeah. no, I went on to work in Sky Movies. So oh, okay. um, no, I, was, I wasn't responsible for them, but I was inspired by them. So hopefully you didn't see me make a tit of myself on Soccer AM doing the catwalk with uh, the Soccerette back in 2007, uh, <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> I, 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 I would have seen that. that. Yeah, you might have seen the, the Larry Charlton fans. Right? There's something that's uh, staying well and truly locked in uh, my CD drawer because that ain't coming out anytime soon. <laughs> I looked hard enough on YouTube, I'd find it. Uh, I'm sure, I think you know what it was. I think I think it was out there somewhere because someone shared it to me, but I didn't really care anymore. I've got it on DVD here, so maybe one time I'll let you let you watch it, guys. If if, if you're nice to me, proud of it. If you're nice to me, so um, so we started off at Charlwood um, with Barks and you know, the first series that we saw was fantastic. I mean, it was that real sort of, because you've seen it, all the flash cameras and everything on Amazon, you know, you've seen the TV shows where they go in the changing rooms, but to see it at such a grassroots level, there must've been quite a buzz because for you just getting that access, it must've been an amazing opportunity for you. Yeah. I loved the contrast between um, kind of the lowest budget level of football and 4k cameras and having multiple cameras. I love the idea of taking non-league football and, you know, I know dorking on uh, on amateur. So I love the idea of taking cameras to amateur football and treating it with um, a lot more respect than you might you might see elsewhere. Most people shoot any amateur football with an iPhone and they, they can't zoom in and um, there's no framing. It's just people waving a camera around. Occasionally you'll see a good goal on Twitter or something. But I noticed... You know, Palmer's did a fantastic job of giving you that Sunday League experience, but mm. no one was um, sort of really doing any storytelling of behind the scenes and connecting that to what was going on in the match. Um, and that's what that's what really excited me was the idea of it took, it took a while to learn how to do that, actually. Mm. Um, when I first started, actually, to be honest, when I first started, me and Barks were going to make a film. We wanted to make a two hour documentary and I didn't know how to structure that at all. So we were just shooting and shooting. Um, and then I met Mark as well. And so I thought I'll make him the B storyline, have Parks as the A storyline. Um, and so we just shot a lot with those guys until COVID came along. And at that point, um, Barks said to me, look, why don't, why don't you turn some of this footage into, into episodes? And then you can play it to the team during lockdown and give them something to look forward to every Saturday. So we started doing that and it, it worked. Um, and then after a while, Barks was like, I mean, he's the ideas, man. He was like, put it onto YouTube. I was a bit reluctant. 
Um, so you know, then did that next, and then that started to work. Then Parks put it onto TikTok, and did it on, and that's when we went through the roof. I think. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I've watched bits of Charwood up until last season. Um, I'd obviously seen bits and pieces of Charwood. How long from leaving Sky to a bunch of amateurs starting? How how long was that sort of? How much how much footage did you get to be able to go into a bunch of amateurs and really start that off? When I left Sky, um, it was relatively sudden and I took redundancy and didn't know what I was going to do with my life at all. And I'd split up with my long-term girlfriend at pretty much the same time and we had to sell our house and stuff. So um, it was a big period of upheaval for me and um, it was hard to get because I had such a specific job at Sky. It was hard to find. There's only like three or four jobs in the country that doing what I was doing. So getting back into it was incredibly difficult so I was doing corporate work and it was during one of my corporate jobs I was chatting to a videographer and telling him about the idea of shooting some non-league stuff and he gave me some great advice um and that was the end of 2018 so um I then met Barks in January 2019 um and we shot for a year and three months I think it was before covid landed something like that year and two months so we had we had 14 months worth of footage um and no idea what to do with it so we had a lot yeah i mean I, I i've watched a bunch of amateurs for a long time like, i really got i got into it during lockdown i think helped with the missing of football and that sort of thing and then this season started off obviously with with like holland sports and then um, yeah didn't go very well <laughs> um, and then we'll get on to that in a bit I want to ask a few questions sure. um, and then obviously Dorking <laughs> over the last few years have had a, a tough time a little bit like us guys down in Worthing it's been very much start stop start stop and then this season yeah. it, there was a, such a great story to tell I think yeah we we got incredibly frustrated by what was going on with Dorking um, I hadn't done when I first got with them, I was just, I was on the periphery. I was pointing a camera. Mark was great. He was like, just do what you want to do. Let me know when you're coming down, whatever. So whenever I sent him an email, I said, I want to come down to that game. He said, yeah, fine, whatever. And it let me in. It'd just be me with a camera roaming around, getting bits here and there. Um, but it wasn't until like lockdown two or three, whatever it was, um, towards the end of 2020, I guess, when yeah. Barks's season got curtailed before Christmas. And I've started doing the episodes and putting them onto YouTube. We had a few hundred viewers. And um, I said to Mark, look, I can't do this to child anymore. Do you want to come and do it with you? And he was, that nah, fine. His attitude with this stuff is always, that nah, fine. Whatever you want, just let me know. And it's not just me. He does that with a lot of people. He understands publicity. He knows that there's no point saying no to people, give them an opportunity. So um, I put a microphone on him for the first time. And he was a little bit like, what the fuck? Um can I swear on this podcast? That's fine. We, Mark, you, we had Mark on the other day, mate. Or, yeah, do, you he, do you think he got away with not swearing? <laughs> we did ask him back. not to, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to. That's um, right. But when I'm quoting Mark... It's, it's real. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to, yeah. Um, you know, he was a little bit taken aback with the microphone, but unbelievably trusted me with it straight away. And, you know, I'm recording hours of him talking, and you can imagine what that's like. So... 
um yeah that that was when we we really got going with Dorking because I didn't have the opportunity to shoot child anymore and Dorking season kept going when the lower leagues were were stopping yeah of course, of course. what did you feel like personally like we asked Mark obviously we all know that you know we I feel that it was forgetting that there's that virus going around that nasty horrible virus that we've all been lived and dealt with the last couple of years but did you think at one stage, obviously being around a dorky thing, did you personally feel aggrieved by the whole situation, forgetting that, you know, you're doing a bunch of amateurs, but what were your own personal feelings about the null and voids and the sort of curtailments and all that? Mark's a very convincing man, so it was hard to uh, disagree <laughs> with him. Um, I didn't have, I didn't have a vested interest, is that the phrase? Yeah, in no, I get you. Time beyond, beyond what I wanted them to do for, for me in terms of storyline um i didn't my heart wasn't in it in the way it was with charlton for instance yeah um childwood i'd come around particularly after the one gas game i think that was the first time i celebrated a childwood goal you know maniacally um that was the one where there was all kinds of hair pulling and spitting and stuff um and i'd realized that was the point i realized that it doesn't matter what the stakes are if you put in if you care enough about a game of football then you will get the joy back. So it doesn't matter what level that's at. And that's when I really realised it with Charlwood. And I hadn't really got that with Dorking when their season was curtailed. So when I I, I first started with them when they had their season curtailed and they went into the playoffs. And I shot a little bit of the playoffs, but not much. Um, But then when the season was properly curtailed, I was just thinking, how am I going to turn this into a story? That was all I was really caring about. How do we make an interesting story. And, I, and and honestly, that gave me a really good opportunity to, to tell stuff that wasn't necessarily just the match. You know, I got to go to a couple of meetings. I, I managed to get down to the players meeting when he was telling the players that the season was being cancelled. So that for me gave me some interesting stuff. If it had been curtailed as they were going into the playoffs this season, I'd have been heartbroken. Like, you know, this last year, they really sucked me in. And, you know, as Mark says, you're a wanderer now. So, but it's true because we, we said to Mark on Monday, didn't we, Gareth? Saying, like, don't get me wrong, my, my, as you know, we said, my, my, my boyhood club's Charlton Athletic. I'm from South London, you know, through thick and thin, I've still supported them through very thick as now, as you know, talking about that curtailment with a, a lovely player called Lyle Taylor, which I can't really mention. And Pete was, <laughs> if Pete would be there tonight because I think he's yeah. the reason we still go down. But I digress yeah. on that. But Worthing for me is the like the club, it's where I live, and you know, Gareth as well, he's supported, he's been sort of Worthing since a kid, really, haven't you? And, um, but I still feel very drawn into Dawkins, and I think it's because of your editing and the, the program. You know, it's one of those for me. It takes a lot for me to have a must-see TV show or like <laughs> series, and I literally can't wait for every week to come on. I know Gaz says the same as well. Like every time you see that notification come up saying, "Oh, yeah. there's a new episode," I'm like buzzing because, especially, like, I, I travel the world for my job and. I can't watch a lot of things on my Sky Planner, but when Bunch of Amateurs is released, I can put it in my hotel room, I can watch it on my device. So it's one of the only things that I watch week in, week out. So you feel it's hard not to be drawn into it, especially when you've got a character like Mark, because as we said, he's Marmite to a lot of people. You get to know that bloke. He's a top guy and it really makes you feel that love for non-league. Yeah, he does. And I can't take the credit for that. I think we've had a, a perfect storm, really. You know, an interesting club that's... Um, that looks good on film you know they're, they're in a nice area and when you put the drone in the area everything around it looks lovely and um, you know the fact that he's the manager and the owner gives him so much autonomy um, they've got he's I mean obviously his credit because he's built a squad of really nice people um, that are they're, they're not a traditional 
dressing room in the sense that um, they're not like the crazy gang. You don't get yeah. any kind of hijinks in there. And I find that really interesting and it's making it harder, but in, in a more interesting way to kind of get under the skin of that dressing room. And that's mm. the plan for next season is to show a lot more of the players because they were fairly guarded, um, you know, for the for the first year or so. Um, but no, to your point, I, I it blows my mind that someone says they look forward to watching it. You know, if it was a friend of mine saying that, that would blow my mind. When when people I've not met before are saying that to me, it's like, <laughs> I never thought that would happen. You know, it's not no. what we set you, out to do. And I still don't really, really understand how it's happened, to be honest. You, you've um, got 50,000 subscribers. Like, it's it's no mean thing. And I think that's, take take Mark and Dawkins out of it. I, I think it's testament to you because actually the the commentary is what makes it for me. Like some of your commentary. Yeah, you're like, such a dry one, sense of humour. One o'clock in the morning and I've had enough, but I'm going to finish this. <laughs> and then you come <laughs> back to it. It's, all, it's the honesty. And, and do you know what? It, that, that for me is what makes it. I, I only, I, I watch the beginning, I watch the end, the interviews, and then like the middle bit is the bit that I sort of really pay attention to because some of your witty, sarcastic uh humour really comes across in that and then take Mark out of it I think what you've built in Bunch of Amateurs is is, is actually a testament to you not Dawkins and, and and Charwood I think really what you've done you've had you've been allowed to use your own sort of freestyle to get where you are if that makes sense just yeah, hold, I, hold on that's I, the play button I don't know how I get away with it to be honest it was I mean that was definitely <laughs> definitely not part of the plan um the narration thing you know, when I watch documentaries, I like, um, same with films, um, you know, I'm a film student and I've always really liked uh, films that show don't tell, you know. So um, I remember doing a presentation at work once about how much I love Whiplash rather than The Martian, because in Whiplash, you're given minimal information to figure out what's going on. And in The Martian, you've got Matt Damon literally looking at the camera and telling you what's going on. Yeah. Um, and I was always far more in the whiplash camp so when we started doing the weekly episodes and barks was like you're gonna have to narrate it or get someone to narrate it um i was like oh my god like this isn't what i want to do but there's no way we can tell this story without narration i haven't got enough mm. quality footage and we didn't shoot it with the idea of doing a weekly thing so um there isn't enough in terms of talking heads to tell the story so i started started doing the narration funny enough i just I mean, I, I don't like watching the other documentaries too much because they drive me mad with the budgets they've got and the things that I would love to do when I see all or nothing. I think the things that I'd do if you gave me that budget, you know, we're doing this on a shoestring. Like I invested in some equipment, but beyond that, we don't have any budget. So well, what, what are the things you'd love to do then if you had the budget of all or nothing? Oh, just have more fun with it. Get in with the players more. Get in the under the skin of the manager. Um, but, you know, you look at the Spurs one, and Daniel Levy's fingerprints are all over that. You know, they they barely mentioned the departure of Pochettino um, and they skipped the first section of the season to get into the Mourinho stuff. And yeah, I was just thinking, true. no, the drama there, the real drama there is what happened to Pochettino and that big defeat that they had. And, um, you know, and they've skipped all of that because I, I assume that Levy's got final cut on it. Yeah. Um, whereas when you've got someone like Mark, who is his manager and chairman you don't have that chairman overseeing it and deciding what you can and can't say in the same way um 
Well, I noticed at the end of the last episode, Rich, you you said that it's when the assistant manager was screaming. Was it a penultimate episode? And you said Mark asked us to blank the audio from that. Does he have any sort? I know. <laughs> yeah. Does he have any sort of yeah. creative yeah. control over it, or is it kind of a mate sort of a sort of a sort of handshake gesture? You say like, okay, he said, please don't put that in, and you're like, yeah, that's fine, I won't, sort of thing like that. Yeah, the deal with every manager that I shoot, and this applies to all of them. So um, Barks initially, where where that's how we kind of started it off. We figured out this process. Um, and then Mark, and more recently, Payne, who's now in charge at Charlwood. The, the, the plan is once I've done version one, which will be quite long, I will send that to the manager and they get to go through it and say, these are the things that I don't like. And then... I will judge them on whether that's a fair point or whether I think that's important to keep. Um, I have final cut, but at the same time, it's no good to me if I'm upsetting these people or if I'm betraying any confidence. So Mark will take out stuff where if he's moaned about a player or um, if there's, if he said something about an opposition, opposition team, um, he was very adamant that he didn't want the opposition teams during the run-in to know that he was mentioning them in the team talks. He didn't want them to be like, oh, we're in your heads kind of thing. So um, we took a lot of that stuff out. And I get it. He, he'll justify it. And I'll be like, yeah, fair enough. But there'll be times when he'll try and take something out. And I'm like, mate, that is too important to the story. And, he, and that's staying and he's fine with that. But it's, you know, so it's just important to have a, a really positive relationship with the managers, I think, because then it doesn't become yeah. any kind of argument or, or row. I think there's one thing that I really wanted to keep that Mark took out. Can't remember what it was. Um, that was quite a while ago, and that's the only time when I've been tempted to just put it in anyway. Um, but you know, the risk of ruining a relationship or just yeah. having a rocky time for a few weeks or losing any trust—it's um, not worth it. Like we've got so much good content out of those guys that you know I don't need. That's the ultimate thing. I don't need to keep that in. Funny yeah. enough, for the playoff final one. There was a clip of me doing something um, that was pretty funny, and did it maybe involve a ball at, and the side of the pitch? It might have been in a certain yeah. preview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see it in the trailer. Yeah, uh, but Mark said to me, you know, bearing in mind we're going up a level and we don't, you know, we don't know exactly how that's going to go for yeah. us. Um, this might be wise to take out, you know, but it's your call. I trust you, but it's, you know, if it were me, I would take that out. And I just listened to him and thought, do you know what, for the sake of one laugh, like it's not worth it. You know? So we took it out. We did put it in for the cinema premiere that we did and it got a big laugh. So that was, that was enough for me. (laughs) Brilliant. No, I do like that. So, so let's just say, so let's talk, let's talk about a match day. What is a match day for you? Um, What's a setup like from, you know, from us, just tell the outsider that doesn't see the behind the scenes. What is the sort of setup for you? Bunch of Obviously you got yourself a camera. How many, how many staff do you have doing it? How helping out and what time do you get down there? And what's the sort of setup procedure like? So I'll take you through the playoff final day. We had more of us than usual that day, I think, which is four of us. It's usually two or three of us. Um, Playoff final day, my fiance Claire, learned to point a camera so that she could help me. (laughs) Um, One of my best mates, Greg. So a few years ago, I trained up, two years ago, I trained up three friends on the cameras. And they helped for a while, but two of them kind of fell away. But Greg really took it seriously and started learning in his spare time. So Greg's kind of my number one guy now. Um, and there's a guy called Jack who contacted me and just said, he wants a change in career and he'll do anything I ask. And I'm like, right, well, you're in. 
Um, that's a dangerous. Yeah, I was going to say that's a little bit dangerous. That, and I I hope you've taken full advantage of that, Rich. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But he's got no regrets, so it seems to be going well. Um, So yeah, on match day of the playoff final day, get up. Claire makes breakfast. We eat well. um, We drive down to Dorking. We meet Greg there. We meet Jack there. Actually, no, we pick Greg up. I think. Um, Get to the ground. Those guys then set up the three main cameras. Um, so the DSLR cameras um, with a variety of lenses and tripods. While they're doing that, I'll take the bag of GoPros in and I'll put two GoPros in the dressing room and then I'll put the GoPros behind the goals um, just so that they're ready and done. But while I'm doing that, I, I take the um, gimbal, the Ronin with me, which you can just see there. Um, <laughs> that, there you go, yeah. That, that's my handy cam. So um, I keep that on me because... I get this real antsy feeling if I can see something that I can imagine being on my computer screen and I'm not filming it. So I'll grab that and just start pointing it. And um, you, you see people walking around. That's a nice shot. Old Mark will come in early and be like, I've got to get Mark. So, you know, I've got to show him turning up or whatever. So I always have that camera with me. Yeah. Um, and then once they're done, the guys set about getting establishing shots. They just film people arriving. Um, and then I'll go and put microphones. I've got four microphones that i put on the um staff um just so that that from that point on uh greg and claire or jack can film from a distance and they don't know what they're saying we've got no idea what's going on it could be mark telling a story that we're not allowed to share yeah. or it could be him talking about tactics um but if we're filming from a distance i just say to the guys just keep filming him just follow him around follow anyone that's got a microphone if they're doing something interesting just keep following them um and so then it's team talk one and I sneak in under the GoPro. So it's above my head and I film the film Mark and then I film the players reactions and Mark yeah. and the reactions. We've got two GoPros. as the country. So you're sitting on the bench, like with the players pretty much to the side. No, I want to. Yeah. Uh, and there's a corner that I desperately want to have, which I used to have at Charlwood, but it's Bobby Joe Taylor's favorite spot. <laughs> um, so for next season, my negotiations with Mark, um, I wanted to, I haven't had to put it in, I want to put it in there, but I get Bobby Joe's seat because it's out of the way of the cameras and yeah. I can get some great shots down the line of the bench. So you can get the multiple faces in and out of focus. I'm desperate to sit there, but I can't. Um, so yeah, that's about a 30 minute team talk usually. And we have to edit that down to about four minutes eventually. Wow. Um, and then after that, we interview Mark on the pitch. And then I walk around the whole ground and I've got a spare microphone that I can clip on to people. And I can just ask them, uh, like uh, supporters for quick interviews. They generally don't know who I am or what I'm doing. And they'll just be a bit bemused by the whole thing. And then occasionally you get someone that's seen the show and they're really forthcoming. But, you know, that's taken... You know, 10, 20, when I said I wanted to do a documentary before, I never would have had the guts to walk up to a stranger and say, give me five minutes. Um, but now it's like, I need this. I know I need this. So I don't really care. I'm just going to go and stick my camera in someone's face. And yeah. I've heard it all before. Oh, you think you're, there's line and do you? Whatever <laughs> people say to me. Um, like oh, I've if, heard if, if Pete had been on the line tonight, lines he thinks before. he's Jeff Stelling, mate. So, you know, it's all right. He thinks he's Jeff Stelling. That's his own say. <laughs> When when Jeff said he was in, he was announcing his retirement, he was saying, "Oh, I'm I'm going to go through." I was like, "Okay, Pete, there we go." But anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I think that one thing that I really like, and I know Gaz said it as well, is that the fact you do involve the away team quite a lot. You know, I do like you when you go into that sort of beer area. I've been down to Meadowbank and that sort of uh, fan zone behind the goal where you've got the people sorry, behind the stand when you're drinking. And I do really like seeing that because, you know, it's nice to see people's views on non-league from other sort of areas because it's completely different clubs. You've got clubs down the bottom of the division and clubs at the top. They think they're going to come and be thrashed by Dorking, but actually they end up providing a result. What team was it? I can't remember what team it was last season. I thought... Was it Chippenham that Dorkin lost at home to in the running? And uh, it was quite, I can't remember what one it was. Two, um, two, there was a draw. Wasn't yeah. There, there was one team that came, they thought oh, we're going to get thrashed, and they actually ended up getting a result out of it. Yeah. They, yeah. I but remember the game. From, I, can't, yeah. I think it might have been Chippenham. I think it was. Um, yeah. Then didn't they went 2 0, Dulwich went 2 0 up as well, didn't they? And then that, that was an absolute. Absolutely, barnstormer of an episode that one. I'll be honest with you. I don't, like, I, it's been well known that I've been trying to get to Dorking all season. Um, every time I arrange to go, there's um, something comes up, which means I can't go. I'm hoping to go on Saturday for the pre-season game. Something will come up again for you, won't it? <laughs> um, I'm hoping not. I'm hoping not. But yeah, semi-final, final, and and some of the running games, I was I was desperate to try and get down there and. Yeah, it didn't go very well. We have to say that just before uh, moving on. We have to say, uh, I do appreciate, Rich, inadvertently you filming Pete, who should have been on the line tonight, wearing a Premier Non-League podcast T-shirt in the background of the final. So thank you for the free publicity. Oh, really? I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, oh. you. I, 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 I'll send you a little picture. I took a screenshot of it on the thing, but it's quite. You can't massively make it out, but we all saw it and we're like, yeah, there we go. He's like, he's wearing our, he's wearing our football shirt in the back. He thought, said he was going to wear it down there to the game. So we are. Uh, Pete's doing us proud, and apparently he featured quite prominently in your preview video as well so it's quiet so thank you for that publicity not that anyone would have had a clue what it was but you know we'll we'll take (laughs) it at that anyway (laughs) do what i can for cross promotion one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Right, Rich, so you told us how the match day set up is. You ran through the final. Like, what's the editing process like? How long does that actually take, man hours and stuff? Because it sounds like with all those cameras, sound bars, everything like that, I mean, I can let alone edit a stupid video taking the mick out of Bogner um, when we beat them at, at their ground on uh, Boxing Day or something like that, let alone uh, get with what, about four different mics, four different cameras. Yeah, it's um, so on the final, it was six microphones and five camera angles, I think three four five six camera angles so i mean it's all about the syncing i just i break the day up into parts and then sync up the angles and the audio and and by the end of day one of editing so it'll be like a nine hour day i'll have the entire day in a linear timeline um the team talks the interviews the match itself they'll all be there 
um, in their entirety and the timeline will be hours long. Um, and then I just go through the team talks, cut them down, take bits out, cut them down, get them as small as I can. And I do that with the interviews. Um, and once that's all done, I'll then go through the match, but that'll be in probably the next day. So we're on day three now. I'll go through and do the match. And so by the end of that, I'll have the first edit, um, which will be an hour, hour and a half, two hours long. Um, and then send that to Mark or Barks or whoever it is, get them to say what they don't like, because that could affect the storytelling. If there's something they really don't want to talk about on screen, I might have set that up to be paid off later on in the story. So I need to know early on if that's a no-go. It doesn't happen very often, if ever, actually, that it affects yeah. the story. But there'll be time. Or, or sometimes Mark will be like, you've missed the trick there because what you don't realise is that this happened and that's why that happened. And I'll be like, oh, shit. So I'll go back through and be like, and try and find the bit that I've taken out. That, or I'll make sure I write in the script. So when I go through on the next pass, what I'll do is um, I'll start writing the script as I go and um, I'll just start narrating it. And mm. so I'll write a line two or three lines um, and then chop bits out if they're superfluous and then record the line, then move on to the next section. So the game breaks down into lots, hundreds of little sections um, that hopefully some of them will link up with sections later on in the match and yep. then go through it all again and do that. And then the fourth pass will be sorting the audio out and doing the intro section. And um, so it takes about four days. If I work solidly and I'm focused three to four days i have done an episode in two and a half days once i still don't fully understand how um i wish i <laughs> that's probably the clip that Gaz said it's like 1am in the morning now and i really can't give a shit but i'm still going to finish it or something like that <laughs> yeah it's probably one of those ones I've, well i've adjusted it i've adjusted the timing so that i do the i start the commentary in the morning now so that i can have that done by mid-afternoon otherwise as you say i'll end up there one in the morning and i'll be fed up with it yeah no it is it's one of those so um what we one of the most famous problems you had this season was access at Southend United, as we all know, because famously you got your debut um Dorkin. Um I say it wasn't a debut, but you, you you've been named as a Dorkin player just so Mark could get you access to the pitch. And from speaking to Mark on our last episode, we also know that they were still trying to kick you out, despite the fact Mark was like, he's a bloody player, he's registered as a player. How did that come about? And also, have you had any other sort of problems at grounds, away grounds accesses? Because I like to hope it wasn't a problem, but I'm very disappointed you didn't film the trophy match at Worthing because I was looking forward to seeing Worthing versus uh, Dorkin in the uh, playing uh, in the uh, FA Trophy. But I was so disappointed when it wasn't there. I think I was probably doing Holland Sports at that point. Mm. Uh, which, you know, I, was, I was having to pick games and alternate between the two. So, do you promise if we play you next season, you can uh, promise you do a Worthing one for us? Just, just, just for us. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Thank you. <laughs> I like it down in Worthing. Me and Claire will. If we're going down towards the coast, then we'll uh, we'll get a hotel down there. So more than happy yeah. to do that. Um, South End, yeah. I mean, you can see in the Oxford episode the moment that Mark has that idea on the coach, he gets very excited about it. Yeah, he was, I was getting excited. He's like a kid at Christmas, weren't he? Yeah, he was just he loves he loves coming up with crazy schemes. I think, and um, it's it's the only time I've not I don't get nervous anymore, and it was the only time I've been genuinely nervous because we were being a bit cheeky. And because Southend are a big, big club relative to what I'm used to doing. And um, I wasn't sure how it was going to go down. And, you know, they gave us the access. We got into the dressing room. It wasn't even really about being a player. They just kind of let me in, which they said they weren't going to. But I, I went in anyway. Um, the other guys, Claire and Greg, were on the other side of the pitch. So they were left alone and fine because that stand was empty. Um, 
but I needed to shoot the bench. And um, I, I started off filming with my iPhone um, just sneakily. And then Samuel Ab said, just pick your camera up. And they were just kind of bullying me into getting the camera. So I'm like, all right, lads. And I picked the camera, just pointing at the back of Mark's head, basically. So I was doing that for a while. And then, yeah, we came out after half time and they took me aside and told me in no uncertain terms they wanted me to leave the stadium. Um, and I said, look, I better go and tell Mark. And they didn't want me to. So I said, well, let me go and get my stuff at least. So I went and got my stuff and then told Mark. Um, and I can't tell you what Mark said. <laughs> I've got a recording of it and it is, um, it's one of my favourite things ever because he really goes into bat for me. And I Can can't you share that with us when we start recording again, if that's all right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, it's one of the funniest things I've, I've ever recorded, you know, because he's on the mic and, you know, they, they say to him, you know, he's asking why they're kicking me out and they explain why and um, it, it escalates and Mark, you know, because of where they come from, I think him and Dino and, you know, the backroom staff, you know, they're used to having run-ins with clubs and with people and, you know, when one person's being attacked, then they go into a defensive formation. Yeah. And Dino said afterwards he heard stuff was going on. He didn't know what it was, but he was coming down to, you know, to back us up. Um, so Mark had it out with them and they backed down. I think the ultimate point that Mark made was that I am a named substitute. And if they tell a named substitute he has to leave when the referee's not sent him off or anything, then they could end up forfeiting the game. So they couldn't really argue with that. Um, <laughs> they let me back on the bench, but they, they said not to take a camera so I didn't take a camera with me that time and um, just got to enjoy watching the match from the bench with the players which was good fun I don't know I don't know they you know no club has ever said to me you can't film the bench they were like it's sacrosanct almost and I and I was like why I've filmed benches in dozens of stadiums or, or grounds and um, you know I've done Dulwich I did Dulwich Hamlet a bit after that and they had no problems and they've got a very small gap between the touchline mm. and the fence. You know, yeah. I've got three cameras at that point. I had a camera on Mark, I had the Ronin and I was filming the match. So I was doing three cameras that day and nobody said a word. They were like, yeah, fine. Just, you know, do what you need to do. You know, they just see the positive coverage, but you know, the guys at South End were all dressed in suits, taking it very seriously. Um, and were very much like, you're lucky that we're letting you be here as opposed to a lot of the clubs who are like, Oh, we really want you to come. So, I think it was, I just think it was an attitude thing. And I think it was probably to do with being a league club that didn't yeah, like being in the National say League. That, yeah. That'd be my guess. Um, but it's a shame. Yeah. And we're going to see him next season as well. I don't know how that's going to go down. I say, you're looking forward to going back there next season. I, think I don't think they're going to let be me named. In, I definitely think you should be named. Or what about Fitch? I got Fitch Ripping, your new name. <laughs> they, um, I think I think I got released last week. Oh, I'd have to get re I'm a free agent now, so I should be looking for a new club, really. Um, yeah, yeah, I approached South End and asked they'd like a bunch of amateurs made because uh, that, that would really put their backs out. It'd be quite funny to see the response. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I'll ask for a trial. So, are you, um, is it all sort of signed, sealed, delivered for next season with Dorking, or are you still sort of under negotiation with Mark? Or, you know, how, how does that work? Is it is just granted access straight away? Because obviously, at the top of the pinnacle of a uh, non league, and it's a great story that we've watched. What what's the situation there? Well, my first reaction was, is there a story to keep telling? And the answer is obviously yes, because mm -hmm. as you say, they've just reached the top and we want to see how they go from being um, at the top and one of the best teams in the league to being in amongst professional teams and the likes of Oldham, who, you know, looking at their stadium today, 
17,000-seater stadium, whatever they've got, you know, compared to Dawkins. Open into Chesterfield, like. Yeah, it's, Chesterfield, it's... yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a story to be told. So then it's, um, how can I how can I make it happen when a bunch of amateurs doesn't earn a great deal of money? Um, but it, to do it properly, it needs to be full-time. So mm. how do I make that happen? And, um, you know, I chatted to Mark about that, and we came up with an agreement to make that work. Um, and then it's really, you know, do we have the ability to actually do it? Are we allowed to? Um, so we've approached BT in the National League and they've not said no is the best way I could put that. That's good. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're good to keep going. Um, so there's nothing really standing in our way. In Chesterfield, for instance, um, they asked us for, they asked me for some footage for um, celebrating Old Acre signing for them. And I said to them, well, it's, you know, it's 200 quid per five minutes or whatever. Is this going rate for stuff like this? But I'll give it to you for free if you give us full access when, when Dorking come. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> a bit of a contra deal there. So that's one away club we're definitely going to be doing. Um, I'm really hoping that Woking and all the shots say yes, because I live very close to those places. So yeah. that made my life nice and easy. <laughs> um, so, you know, we've got we've always got full access to all of the home games if we need them. We just need to pepper in some away trips as well. Um, yeah. And then that will really make it work. When I say we're still in negotiations, it's more about how many episodes are we going to do? Um, when are we going to start putting the episodes out? Stuff like that. I want to make sure um, that I get... And, you know, there's no there's no debate. Like, when me and Mark first spoke about it a month ago, um, it took about two minutes before we were shaking hands. Then it's just the minutiae of how that's going to work. Yeah. Um, we will both we both want it to happen, so we're both going to make it work. So yeah. um, but this year it's much more about the players. I think I want to get into the players a lot more and show them at work and yeah, I was background. gonna say that because I, I would really like, you know, one of the things I love is that and I'm sure you've watched it, you know, Peter Crouch did his like saving football about Dulwich Hamlet. And one thing I really loved, especially in the first couple of episodes, is he went to like the players' workplace to see what outside of work. And you know, that's something I'd really love to know about like the non-league because we look at and I'm sure the majority of non-league players you could think, right, we know they're part-time, majority of them. And um but you don't know anything really about them. You see them on a Saturday walking to the ground. You might have a beer with them after and then you go home and think, well, I'll see them next Saturday. But, you know, even still, I'm still discovering what some of the Worthing players, when I do the uh, Rebel Yell podcast or the Worthing uh, um, podcast that I do, and I still find out when I'm interviewing the players there what they actually do. I'm like, oh, bloody hell, I never really thought about that. Yeah, is, yeah. is that something you're looking at doing for the next season? I think that would go yeah. so well with what you do. 100%. My One of my best mates, uh, Speedy, said to me that he's been a staunch supporter since I first started doing this. And Speedy said, um, the bit I love most is at the end, during the interviews, you ask the players what they do because you get such a range. And I'm going to try and run with that a bit because you've got Matt Briggs, who's an engineer. God knows what he's on, but it's probably a six-figure salary. And Jordan yeah. Schiedel, who is in like high-level recruitment. Um, so you've got, the, you've got these big earners doing completely different jobs You've got um, Alfie Rutherford. And I said this to Alfie yesterday, I want to come and film you at work. And he's just looking at me like, why would you do that? And I was like, because you're a roofer. <laughs> I think he works for Jason Pry's dad, I think. Interesting. And um, so he's up, up ladders in the sun. And then on a Saturday, he's arguably the biggest hero at a football club. Mm, yeah. And I just think that contrast is fascinating. Um, there's Luke Moore, who had to think long and hard about continuing this season um because he's so busy and like he's he's turning up 
dead on time because he can't get there a minute earlier, even though we'd love to, because he's got kids to look after, he's got jobs to look after. I want to show what these guys, and I think it's especially interesting with Dorking because these are guys that are staying part-time while having to play in a full-time league effectively. So how are they going to go up north on a Tuesday night? Like, How are they going to make that happen? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing to see because I know Mark's, I think he mentioned in one of the episodes that he might consider going full-time next season, but clearly that's not happened. And I think they're going to wait to see if they can cement themselves in that National League before they even look at doing that. Um, it, it, you'd laugh because if you if you ever came down to Worthing and interviewed some of the players there, about half the squad play, uh, uh, worked for Darren Budd, who's, uh, who owns uh, one of the biggest local removal firms in uh, in Worthing. And it is a, but, uh, moving buddies, I think it is. And, they, uh, and literally every player, don't they, guys? Every player, works with him yeah. in some capacity or whatever which is quite funny but it's that sort of fascinating bit of non-league where it's funny you say he's a roofer for one of the other players or former players is dad and I think that as you say that contrast as you say he's one of the heroes I mean he's a guy that it in inevitable it was inevitable but he scored the winner to get them into the national league and you yeah. think he's he's that and then probably on the Monday morning after the thing's gone he's up in some roof somewhere in Dorking area yeah it's yeah. um it's it's something that we need to explore yeah. and I'm really excited about doing it it's a challenge for me because I've I did it once with a guy called Adam Lippitt from Charlwood. He's the guy, I don't know if you remember, who said, um, Bart said, are you hung over? And he said, no, I've only had a couple of bottles of wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a famous it, sort of... Yeah, that's one of yeah. our biggest... Saying that, Rich, if, if I said that to my wife, she'd say that's not a hangover for you. So, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's his point. Yeah. Um, but I went to Lippitt. Um, he's an electrician, I think. And I, feel, I filmed him at work and it went really well. So I've got to do that again. I've just... The players are, they're not shy, but they're not, they're not in, they don't push themselves in front of the camera. You never see them come up to the camera and celebrate. They do it a little bit at the end of the player final. Apart from that, they just don't do it. So, um, but I think that makes it more interesting. I think if they were, um, if they were darlings of the camera, I don't think it would be quite as compelling. So the fact that we've got to push it a little bit and I've got to figure out a way in, I've got to make it a bit less formal. I don't want to do like a three camera setup interview with yeah. them on the pitch. I want to do them walking around and I, I don't want to do the cliche of a drive and talk because every football documentary will have a player talking while driving to training. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, I do want to find, I want to shoot them at work and then get them to stand in the corner and have a chat with me. But you can think the irony of is a clapped out second hour vehicle and the driving talk compared to Premier League football would be quite funny. Really. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't worry, um, might be something in there. Yeah, you know, there you go. Can I uh, can I have some credit for that or something? A shout out if you ever do that. I expect <laughs> a former uh, fellow Charlton fan gave me this idea. Thank you very much. I appreciate oh, that. But, um, no, so next season, obviously, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic because as we know, it's gone strength strength. Can I ask? I'm sorry if it's a little bit personal. Is this your full time now? Are you full time doing this, or have you got work outside of bunch of amateurs? Yes and no. I um, Once I built up all of the equipment that I've got, I realised that I can do videography stuff on the side, so do corporate videos and such. I'm a bit of a jack of all trades. I'm not an expert videographer. I'm not, when I go onto uh, forums to ask questions, these guys know, I barely know a postage stamp compared to them. Um, but I know enough about it so I can do, you know, some corporate work. Um which I've been doing a fair bit of as a couple of agencies I do stuff for, but I'm still a film reviewer. So I also do that as well. So I just do bits here and there to help pay for dorking um, and bunch of amateurs in general. Um, but hopefully with the deal that me and Mark have got planned, um, it will be a hundred percent dorking uncovered. Um, I'm hope, hoping 
that we can do some stuff with Corinthian casuals now that Barks has gone there as a coach. Yeah. Um, because they're the ultimate amateur football team. Yeah. It's a, it really is a good match. And from what I've heard, they seem interested. So I've got to yeah. find time to do that. And I've got to talk to Mark about, you know, this is where it comes into how many episodes are we going to do and how many matches am I going to film? Because I'm going to want the odd weekend here and there to catch up with Barks and see what we can do there. Probably with a view to do more with them next season. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's so good. Yeah, that. that's on my mind. They're a good club, um, Corinthians. They're, they're, they're Worthing's bogey club. So I'm quite glad to be out of that league because every bloody time we play them, they end up beating. And I hate going to that ground in Tolworth. It's a nice little non-league ground, but every time we go there, we end up, either it's Kingstonian or it's Corinthians, we end up, or I know Kingstonian moving to Tooting, but like seriously, like that ground, it just gives me nightmares, mate. The amount of times I've visited it and come away so disappointed. So hopefully you'll have more fun there than I ever have yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed I, I do think that'll be a different story for us to tell and um but you know we, we just got to figure out how we're going to do it at the moment but yeah. yeah as of August the idea is that um I don't have to do any other work really oh, that's um, good more that I don't need to I've got a wedding coming up so I imagine that Claire's going to want me to do as much work <laughs> as I can fit in um but yes, it means that I can then spend a Monday going yeah. down to find out. If you're on a That's Google brilliant. Site I mean, it's a testament of your hard work and dedication to show why it's good. And, you know, if it ends up producing salary for you, then, you know, fully deserved, mate, because it is a brilliant, brilliant TV show. Um, what I was what I was going to say before Gareth moves on to sort of final wrap it up, I was going to say, so I'm sure clubs must have approached you to do something. Uh, has there been demand for you and see if you can provide your services at other non-league clubs or even from like, you know, the streaming services, Netflix, or, you know, that might be quite grand, but you know, has anyone sort of approached you to sort of make it, sort of take it to the next step TV or anything like that, or another club, I've maybe been, higher up? I've been, um, we get two to three offers a week yeah. from clubs that want us to come and film. Um and they'll be all over the country, so they're completely impractical. Um, every every club thinks they've got a story to tell, and they probably do. Um, I just don't have the capacity to do it for them. Um, I get approached by a lot of people who want to do what I'm doing and sort of copy it, and I'm always willing to tell them how I do it. And as soon as I tell them how much it cost to buy that many cameras, they, they disappear. <laughs> um, Let alone cameras, all those GoPro batteries as well, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah, <laughs> it gets expensive. Um, I was talking to Rail Bedford a little while ago. They want to do something. Oh, the crypto um, lot. Yeah, but if I'd done stuff for them, it would have been for them. I wouldn't have been able to keep the channel going. Um, and I, we had a good, I had a good long chat with the guy from there. Um, we had a few meetings, but it became apparent to me that, you know, the best they could offer was that I could put it on my channel and their channels. That's just not going to work. So, um, they're going to want far more autonomy over the, the final edit as well. So, um, that, yeah, I, I was flirting with that idea just because I wasn't really sure it was going to happen next year, but Dawkins was always going to be my preference. Um, there's a guy in Spain. Um, who runs a club out in Spain, something Valencia maybe. Um, I can't remember what they're called. Um, really lovely guy, George. And um, he's a, in a similar position to Mark in terms of how he runs his club. Um, he wants to do something out there. But again, it's quite impractical at this point in my life to go out to Spain and start shooting for six months at a time, uh, maybe in a year or two. Um, so yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of that. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I think it would be a fun one, but I think we've got to finish the Dawkins story and I've got to build up my team and my budget before I can go out and do something like that. Yeah. Ultimately, so it's just a little bit too early for me. But yeah, we get plenty of offers. And in terms of the big companies, no, never had a word. Bark's got me to enter a Netflix competition last year. 
Um, and we didn't get anywhere in that. BT are probably the most likely I could see us working with because they, you know, they cover the, the National League. Um, but the conversation I had with them was fairly short. Um, I'm open to ideas with them because I think we've got access to an audience that they would probably want to reach marketing wise. Um, so I do think there's potential there. I'd love to do something with Netflix or Amazon or whatever. But I was talking to, I've actually got a good friend at Sky Sports um, who's a Dorking fan. I didn't know he was a Dorking fan. I spotted him during the edit. I was like, oh my God, it's Dave. So I got in touch with Dave. And um, the question I had for him was, what's better long term? Am I going to make more money out of selling to a big company? Or is there more money in the long term if it's still my own thing and it's mm. on on social media? Um, so he's got some really good ideas as to how to progress and expand. Um, so I'm not a businessman and I've got to, I've got to use the people I know who understand how to expand people like Mark, people like Dave, who can help me figure that side of it out. And um, so as beautiful as it would sound for Netflix to come in and give me an offer and buy it off me, uh-huh. if it kills the golden goose, then I'm not. In, I'm then you could go out to Valencia and retire out there, mate, and do a little <laughs> film out there anyway. <laughs> yeah. Just keep one of my cameras. Was it being Los, Los Amateurs Bunchos or something like that? Something <laughs> uh, just quickly before we go, we touched on it earlier. Uh, last season, Holland Sports, watching it from the start, there was a lot of sponsorship and everything pumped into them with regards to ProDirect and Adidas and all this sort of stuff. How did that end? Is it, did it end? I watched it and it kind of just came to sort of an abrupt end and I, I didn't really understand what, what happened there. Did, did Barks and Mike just decide that they were not having it anymore? Or yeah, was, yeah. It a, was it a business decision from you guys that you weren't getting the buy-in, so therefore it's going to finish? No, it was the, it was the former. Um, so ProDirect came to me as fans of the show. Um, yep. Well, they, I think ProDirect were going to try and do something with Adidas. Adidas had some budget and they were thinking, oh, we could do our own non-league show. And then one of the guys at ProDirect said, oh, I watch this thing called Bunch of Amateurs. Why don't we do something with them? So they got in touch with me. And I, flukily from a childhood game, I had a GoPro shot. The GoPro is in the middle of the back of the goal and the ball goes in as it spins across it stops dead center of frame on the Adidas logo. So we showed that to Adidas and apparently they went nuts for it. And they were like, we're in, they threw some money at us. Um, And ProDirect said to me that we've got a few different stunts we want to do, a few different episodes we want to do. Um, We'll be paying you, you know, X amount per episode. I'm like, brilliant. Finally earning some money from this thing. Um, We'd pretty much fulfilled ProDirect's requests. They got everything they wanted out of it. They got the TikToks and the episodes and they sent their photographer down and they did their thing. So they were pretty much sorted. And I said to them, it's probably in November or so, um, you know, things aren't going great there. I think the players are rejecting Barks's attempts to push them up a level, which yeah. is what the chairman brought him in to do. Yeah. So Dunk, uh, Westy, who's a lovely guy, Westy um, had said to me and Barks, and I put a lot of pressure on Barks actually because I wanted a club for Pro Direct and um Barks was humming and hiring about Holland and there was another option for him as well and I was like mate we just got to choose a club and get on with this um so I kind of forced his hand a little bit which I kind of feel bad about but um you know Wesley had this plan and it and the players you know someone said to me it's a it's a drinking club with a football problem and you know those guys hang out down that that clubhouse every night there's you know they're a close-knit clique of people and you know Barks couldn't really break through that and they needed to embrace 
you know his style and his planning and his formations and they didn't they didn't like it so they wanted to go back to the way they were flat 442 pumping the ball down the wings watching from the outside it very looked very much like Barks and, and Mike had come in and were trying to get this real professional sort of outlet going a group of players going and the the players as you said were, were not having it there were players getting sent off week in week out they just mm. They just looked like they, from very early on, and I don't know how they managed to stick it out for so long, to be honest with you, because I could watch from very early on that that actually these players aren't buying into what what he um, what he was trying to do, which is a shame. Yeah. You want to see play, you want to see teams move up the league, like they did, like Charlwood, for example. Yeah, um, I spent a lot of this season watching uh, a team at step seven in the Southern Combinations. So Charlwood in the same league as Charlwood. Um, right. missed the childhood game unfortunately but I see what clubs are trying to do at that level just to get people through the door let alone yeah let alone so they, they had leagues. They, they had the beginnings of the infrastructure you know they had a, a good pitch well pitch isn't great but they had a good location for the pitch yeah. the potential for floodlights the clubhouse they had what they needed to move on and the chairman knew that um, and he knew he needed someone to help push them on um, and he was looking at a three or four year project, which I thought would be brilliant for all of us. Um, but it would have taken a clear out of 80% of that squad. Yeah. And there would have been a revolt. And, you know, Bucks stuck it out partly because I asked him to and he felt compelled to. But there, there was a point I can't I can't give you specifics. I remember there being a oh, point no, when I turned, I turned to Bucks and said, mate, if you want to quit this, I would not blame you. Don't worry about it. I'll check with Pro I checked with ProDirect and they were like, yeah, we've got what we want. So I said, Barks, there's no pressure from me. I'll make it a story whatever happens. Yeah. Um, so he stuck it out as long as he could. And I think there was an incident where, um, I th- and I, I was fairly naive. Like, I don't, um, I don't have an agenda in the edit or anything. There was no planning to make anyone look stupid. I, I try and actively avoid that because of the trust that they give me to film them and to put cameras all over the dressing room and that. So I try not to screw anybody over at all. Sometimes I've done it inadvertently and I've been apologetic about it. For the most part, we've avoided it. And with those guys, I had no agenda against them. I think everything that you see is, is kind of what happened, but actually toned down quite a bit. Um, there are things I could have put in there. I had reaction shots of certain players shaking their heads when he's given a team talk. And I thought if I put that in an episode because we're running at the same time as the season, that's going to cause problems. So yeah. um, I kept that stuff out. But at that final episode that we did, I gave them some of the sarcastic comments that I give everyone else. Um, and that did not go down well with them. They got very upset about that. And I just thought, you know, like we're just poking a little bit of fun. Um, I wouldn't take it too seriously, but at least one player got very mortally offended um, at mocking of his shooting ability, which I think is hilarious. Um, but, you know, we moved on and it didn't do me any harm to go and do more dorking. It kind of worked out for the best. But yeah, it was a real shame. And I think, I don't think, I don't think the players necessarily wanted them to go. They wanted, they just wanted something else from Barks and Mike. And I think that was, that was where it went wrong because yeah. they had a secret meeting um, behind the scenes and yeah, uh, that didn't go down well. As soon as Barks found that out, he just said, no, I'm done and he yeah. quit. So I don't blame him at all. No, doesn't sound like it. So Rich, um, 
fascinating insight into the life of a bunch of amateurs tonight and something we both can't wait to all of us at the Premier League podcast can't wait to follow again next season and um, we've we asked like we have a habit of asking anyone that comes on the show um their highlight of the 21-22 season for you let's just say okay you do a couple of cups for for Dorking Wanderers what was your highlight of the season forgetting the promotion obviously but what was your highlight As a, I mean I like I forget the playoff final because that's too obvious yeah. um I think there's there's two. There's Mark going into bat for me at South End was brilliant, and the other one would be Ed Harris doing a diving header at knee height. <laughs> it, I almost cried, like it was such an emotional. It was the day that Alfie went in goal, and they yeah. had to fight so hard to win yeah. that game, yeah. and everybody was in, everybody was all in, and Ed Harris. I'm not sure if he went on or he was already on, but. He is the absolute god at repelling like late advances, and they were throwing everything. I can't remember which club it was. They're throwing everything at, at Dorking, and Ed Harris was getting on the end of all of it. And when he he headed it clear and it bounced back towards him, he just stooped and he headed it. He was just like oh, he doesn't care if he gets kicked in the face. This is the last minute. And I was watching that from the sides, and I choked up. I was like, this is amazing. And the dressing room after that was so much fun. Um, as Mark said, these are the games that you remember. Um, and you remember for a long time. I always remember that one. And um, what do you think Dorking will do this season? Do you think they really? I mean, as what's the famous? You repeat that famous line that Mark said at the end of bunch of amateurs uh, the last episode <laughs> about winning it. What was that called again? I forgot. Well, he, he said to me privately, um, which I then put in the um, the message at the very end. We're going to win the fucking thing. Yep. And brilliant. I um, <laughs> you know, he's gone from. He said to me like, we've just got to survive. And then it was like, I fancy us, I fancy us to get mid-table. And then it's like, we're going to fucking win this thing. <laughs> and I could see any of that happening realistically. I really can. And they, they won't go down because nice. I know this from experience. I've been a Cholton fan. Do you remember when we first went down from the Premier League? We yeah, played yeah. Stoke fairly early on. Yeah. And I remember being furious that we couldn't beat Stoke. I think we lost 2-0, 2-1 or something. Yeah. And, and my mate said to me, but Stoke are on the rise, mate. And that was the first time I realised that it doesn't matter where you were before. Mm-hmm. if a team is well organized and the club is well organized and pushing in the right direction it doesn't matter the budget or the history that that team is going to be a team that's sinking like a stone and i think i think you could see that with dorking next season there'll be a few yeah. basket cases in that yeah. division that will stay below them obviously there's advantages that those clubs have got about being full-time but i think dorking are going to surprise a lot of them no I one's going to be able to live with their style of play even though, as Mark says, we put it out there for everyone to see and give the tactics away, no one's been able to figure it, figure out a way to stop yeah. it. And I think, I think that that spirit that they've got and that that single mindedness of it. I watched. Um, sorry for going on, but this one That's I really right. like this one. I watched them training last week, and they were doing patterns of play which I've not filmed before. And it was like, oh my god, this is what I see every week. This is exactly how they play. Side to side. Wait till someone's out of position. Push up the wing. Put it in the box. And they're doing it over and over again. And I was like, that's exactly what they do all the time. I've talked about it in commentary. I've never seen them practicing the pattern of play and how meticulous he is about getting it right. And he made a comment about how those players are there to do the job of that pattern. These are, He doesn't bring in a Neymar-style player to add flair. He only brings someone in that can do that pattern of play. And he was busting the balls of the new boys because he's like, it's going to take you a few weeks before you get this drilled in. Our factory settings is this, this, this. 
Yeah. And I was like, wow, like that they no one stopped that yet. So yeah. do you know what? Out just outside the playoffs, I think is is totally real realistic. Yeah. And what about the addicts? As we might we might, should touch it because there's two of us on the page. Do you think we'll be in this, League this One? League one We're forever? Not in the league. Oh, I'm interested. Shut up. I always get a good free <laughs> for like being a Charlton fan. So I think I've got someone <laughs> on my side here. I'd have to ask you that, mate, because I've done so much yeah. dorking. Well, I've done Since so much of Worthing, mate, to be fair. So it's the same thing. Since oh, there we go. Neither can answer that. No, there we go. We'll leave, we'll leave it at that then, won't we? Rich, thank yeah. you so yeah, much for giving up your time today to come on this summer special. And and please do give us a shout if you do come down to Worthing with your girlfriend, uh, your fiance, I should say, and nearly wife, from what I understand. Um, you're saying, hotel, we'd love to meet up for, uh, for a pint or two and just sort of chatting on the league. And please do come on again later on in the season. We'll have a little catch up, see how a bunch of amateurs has been doing over the course of the 22 23 season, if that's good for you. Top stuff. Count me in. Lovely to meet you, Brilliant, Rich. Hold Thank on, you very much. Hold on that silver play button. Thank you, Rich. Cheers, Look guys. Yourself. Thank you, mate. See ya. Are you PNLP?